I'm here today to talk to you a little bit about uniform guidance. Um, uniform guidance, uh, for those of you that have federal monies, uh, this was the, the new guidance that came out that really put together all of the old stuff. So what was uh, previously administrative requirements, cost principles, and uh, audit requirements, all bundled into one thing. Uh, it's, it's a very voluminous document, so I won't be going through all of that today, luckily. Um, but really what we're going to focus on today is the required policies as part of uniform guidance. And you know, while the policies are specifically for uniform guidance, as, we'll, as we talk through them, you'll notice that they're also really best practices. So regardless of whether or not you do receive federal funds, uh, it's applicable to you because th these are really best practice suggestions as well. You know, I think in, in general, having these policies are going to limit your um, are going to limit your exposure and likelihood of fraud, but also help uh, improve some internal controls that you're going to have. Um, I did put some additional information on these slides. I won't be going through everything, but to help serve as a base as a takeaway when you all get back to your offices and decide what do I need to do next. Um, and in addition, there's a, uh, similar to Jeff, there's a uh, link slide at the end that will bring you right to the uniform guidance online. Uh, so there are several policies that are uh, within uniform guidance. Uh, today, we're just going to go over eight of the ones that we consider the must-haves uh, you know, in, in regards to the uniform guidance. The first is the uh, conflict of interest. And uh, you know, I think most of our clients should have a, a, a conflict of interest policy at this point. It's something that we've really uh, pushed for in the last five, six, seven years, uh, as well as having annual sign-offs. But with the uniform guidance, they're requesting that specific things are in there as well. So, uh, you know, full disclosure on you know any type of conflict of interest, whether it's real or something that's apparent. You know, we want to make sure that your employees and directors, um, you know, aren't accepting any type of gratuity or uh, any type of uh, you know any, anything from their, their uh, contractors. And uh, you want to include in this any types of policies around how you're going to deal with. Um, corrective actions, how are you going to deal with uh, disciplinary actions, how are you going to monitor the, the conflict of interest, and also uh, if conflicts of interest do come up, what's going to be the plan in place to notify your federal awarding agency, as, as that's going to be a requirement as well. Mandatory disclosure. And, you know, I, I think that this seems like it's a, a pretty obvious uh, an obvious policy, so I think it's something that was probably ingrained in people's minds anyway. Now it's really just putting, uh, you know, pen to paper. But basically, if you have any instance of uh, some type of uh, fraud, bribery, misappropriation of your federal dollars, that you're going to have to inform your federal awarding agency, uh, and you want to make sure that your policy addresses uh, the time timeliness and how you're going to deal with that violation. So again, it seems pretty self-explanatory. Probably would have been the first thing you'd do anyway, but they just want to see it in your, in your, uh, in your policies and procedures. Financial management. This policy in, really takes into account several different things. So the, the first thing is it's really managing your federal funds. So making sure that you're maintaining that schedule of federal awards. Um, and making sure that you're listing out all the different uh, funding that you're getting by CFDA, you know, what the title of the funds are, uh, what, what year is it, what's the period, who's it coming from, is it from a pass-through agency. 
uh, making sure you have all that detail. Uh, you want to make sure that you're understanding the sources and uses of those funds. You also want to be comparing these funds to uh, you know, what you're actually expending those funds on based on what the original budget was. Um, and obviously documenting your, uh, your accountability and how you're safeguarding the assets that you're getting. It also takes into account allowability at cost. So as part of financial management, and it actually as part of uniform guidance, they highlight over 50 different categories of expenses and how to detail the, uh, how to detail the allowability. And obviously, you also have to look into your specific terms and conditions of your specific grant. Um, but you want to look in here to see, um, to see on each of these. And you also need to look at, uh, you also need to look at how your chart of accounts aligns with uniform guidance. So the closer you can detail out your chart of accounts to have similar types of line items, which most people I think already have, it's going to be easier to report back in a similar manner. Uh, you know, lastly, you want to look at cash management as a piece of this as well, which is just really minimizing the time between drawing the funds and expending the funds. Uh, your internal controls you need to be uh, have documented, which I think. Uh, everyone's really doing already. Uh, you know, as part of that, you want to make sure you're uh, documenting your internal controls truck structure. Uh, one of the ways they suggest is through like the COSO framework, where you're noting the control environment, your risk assessment, your control activities, how information uh, is communicated, and how you monitor. Um, you also want to document how you're monitoring compliance with the terms and conditions of your, of your federal agreements, how you would deal with any type of uh, non-compliance. And also you need to make sure that you're making some type of reasonable measure to safeguard uh, you know, personal identifiable information, which is you know, very similar to what we've already been doing in Massachusetts with the written information security policies. And I think a lot of people already probably have those WISP policies. Procurement standards, you know, this, isn't, this isn't a new policy per se, but they've really expanded it and put in a lot more specifics uh, within the procurement policies. You should really have this link back to your conflict of interest policy. Um, you know, obviously, you don't want, want there to be uh, any issues there with, when it comes to uh, federal awards. You also want to make sure that you have sufficient evidence in your, uh, you know, in your files as to how you went through your, this procurement process. So, if someone were to come out and do a federal audit on you, uh, you would be able to show the the process, and it would be reperformable. Um, so, you know, the different types of contracts, um, what the methodology was, you know, and the, the standards note several different types, uh, oh, a little too far there, um, you know, as are noted down here, based on the threshold of, of the uh, expenditure, there are different policies that are noted within the guidance and each one of these, you know, has different criteria of, you know, whether or not you need to go out and solicit bids, if you're using some type of reasonableness standard, does it have to be the cheapest? Uh, you know, so there, there are different things within the guidance, um, but it's all really trying to make it more around uh, documentation and how you're getting bids for these things. Uh, the next one's uh, subrecipient monitoring. Again, this is really just for agencies that are pass-through agencies, uh, which may not be relevant for everybody in the room, but if you're, you are getting federal funds and then sending them to another agency, you're considered a pass-through agency. And as part of that, you need to have some documented procedures on that, you know, some of which would be, you know, something as simple as, you know, how are you, uh, you know, how are you testing for eligibility on that? Uh, how are you documenting 
that you have all the right information to be sending to the individual that, that you're passing the funds through to. Um, again, you want to make sure that you're providing them with all of the information that you're getting. So the subcontractor is getting all of your information, making sure that they're getting the right CFDA and who the pass-through agency you got it from was. Uh, but also, how are you going to monitor the subrecipient? How are you going to deal with, with it if the subrecipient has a non-compliance issue? Uh, so making sure that your policy addresses that. So there's, you know, there's a bulleted list here of things that should be in that policy. You know, I'm not going to go through these, but again, you want to make sure that it hits just to hit on a couple things. You really want to make sure that you have some type of tracking system so you know who am I expecting to get these reports from, who do I need to test eligibility for, um, you know, how am I going to monitor throughout the year, and just kind of put all of that in a, in a policy so you know what to do going forward. Personnel compensation, I mean, this really comes down to, uh, to two different things. One is, as far as allocation of time, you can't be using any type of budget to be allocating time. So you can't say, I think Fred worked 10% on that federal grant and call it a day. There needs to be some type of documentation. Um, you all, you know, it also has to do with reasonableness of, of payment. So, you know, the people that are working on a federal contract should be making within a reasonable wage of the people that aren't working on the federal contract so that the federal government isn't paying more for one employee than another employee doing the same job that's being paid for through agency funds. Uh, you know, and if you don't have two different people within the same agency, reasonableness in comparison to market. So again, I think it's things people are already doing. It's again, just really making sure it's documented within your policies and procedures. The last one has to do with travel costs. As far as travel costs go, this really encompasses a lot of different things. It's not just travel in and of itself, um, but also lodging, you know, food, the, you know, related things like the cost of conferences, and really just making sure that you are documenting all those things in the file for every time that there is a that there is travel that's being charged off to a federal contract. So. Who is it? What's the date? Where are they going? Why are they going? Is it the right person in the agency? What's their relationship to the agency? And then, you know, one of the big things is that there's two different options on how you're going to charge off those costs. Is it going to be on a cost basis, cost reimbursable basis, or is it going to be um, some type of per diem basis? Now, you, you can have a policy that says you will do either one based on the scenario, but you can never kind of mix and match on a given trip. You know, which, which is important. You also want to make sure that your policy is addressing the allowability of costs and, you know, hit on basically each of these items that are in the bulleted list uh, with it for within the travel policy. You know, so, uh, you know, as I mentioned, here's a link for, for resources for the uh, regulations. Um, now, when you get back, what are the takeaways? Just as a reminder, your policies and procedures manual is a living document. As, your, as new policies come out, new requirements come out, you're going to want to look at those and you know, update your policy procedures manual as you go. Um, so I would start by reviewing your existing policies and procedures, uh, see what you have and what you don't, look at what might need to get tweaked, what might need to get added, and uh, let us know if you have questions.